Let Them Lead is a podcast about the risks and rewards of leading today. Your host is John Bacon, author of the book, Let Them Lead, Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's Worst High School Hockey Team, which led to this podcast. On Let Them Lead, John talks to remarkable leaders from every field imaginable. Automotive, computers, food service, media, education, and athletics, just to name a few. And they share their hard-won wisdom, amazing stories, and a few laughs. You'll also learn a few things you can use tomorrow, and things you can think about the rest of your life. John always finishes with three takeaways and a discussion of their favorite teacher. In the words of John's fifth grade teacher, Mr. Puddock, it's fast, it's fun, and we get it done. So please join us for an entertaining and inspiring discussion. You'll be glad you did. You can subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please feel free to leave your comments about any and all of the podcast episodes. And by all means, spread the word. That's how the word gets spread. And now here's our latest episode of Let Them Lead, presented by your host, John U. Bacon. Hello and welcome back for another episode of Let Them Lead, a podcast about the risks and rewards of leading today. I'm John U. Bacon, the author of Let Them Lead, Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's Worst High School Hockey Team. And my guest today is Amanda Macaluso. Did I pronounce that right? That was close. Yep. Macaluso. Macaluso. Uh, just like I, I spell. Also have, I also have an accent, so who knows? Uh, yes, and explain the accent, please. <laughs> so, yeah, I grew up in Geelong, Australia, um, and I um, wanted to do something different when I was a little bit younger. I was a little bit lost in my early 20s and wasn't sure what I wanted to do, so I uh, took a took an ad out of the paper that said, come and work at a camp, summer camp in America through Camp America and ended up coming over for my first year um, back in 1993 to this uh, fun little new camp, uh, Camp uh, well, Camp Hayawenta for Girls. It was the first year that Hayawenta started the girls camp. And I came over for just one year. Um, I thought I'd give it a try. I've enjoyed being with uh, youth and I'd been uh, a softball coach and did some nannying and um, I had a younger brother and sister myself, so I thought that this was could could be my wheelhouse um, and ventured over. I didn't even know Michigan was a state, actually. Um, <laughs> fell in love with camp, Michigan, um, everyone that I'd met here at um, Hey, I Went to Camps. And now I'm here, and this is actually going to be my 30th summer this summer. So that one year took a little while then. One year into yeah, 30. Yeah, I think my mom's still waiting for me to come home after my uh, <laughs> my adventures, but um, I'm pretty established here now and uh, this is pretty much where where I'll be, but yeah, it was a one thing that turned it in turned into a career. Uh, unexpectedly, of course. Now your daughters have all graduated from Arbutus, of course. Hey, I went to camp for girls. Uh, Al Graphics High School, I believe. One Emma will be going to the University of Michigan. So I'd say you're pretty much committed to the bit at this point, aren't you? Yeah, and my husband's a U of M grad too, so he's uh, he's very excited for Emma, and she's very much looking forward to the next opportunities in her life. And you're right, she grew up at camp, as has my other daughter Zoe, and um, I've just really, truly loved watching like not only all the campers, but just knowing as a parent how much camp means to campers um, and what they get out of camp. I, and my husband and I often say, there's not a day in the year that we don't talk about camp at our house. Um, between me coming home and, and talking about what I've done to get ready for the summer 
um, the friends that my kids have made and the stories. And, and it's actually, it's quite humbling too, because I'll come home and suggest something or say something. And I've got my own little focus group right there at the dinner table. Um, so they'll say, yes, that's a great idea. Or they might say, oh, mom, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, and they will actually help me make it not so dumb um, mm -hmm. and actually put it into something that we can, we can implement at camp. So it's, it's been fun to have them around and grow up in the program and be so invested in it as well. What a cool experience. What a great mm -hmm. way to raise a family too, of course. So uh, I'm going to jump around here a little bit because screw it. Why not? Why not? Uh, you already hit upon, let's, let's do it organically here. Let's hit upon a great idea. What is it about camp? What does camp provide? That uh, school itself, that sports teams, that you know, theater, choir, and so on, other activities that kids are all involved in. What does camp provide that those don't provide as well? I just think it's the opportunity to um, try new things. Um, you know, it's not every day that you can go to the archery range or jump on a paddle board um, or go to arts and crafts and, and do some uh, craft project. I think the other thing, it's, it's the sense of belonging. It's a little different than being in a, a sports team. Um, and I've often heard the campers say, you know, they can just be themselves. It's it's not necessarily something that you have to prove. You know, you can come and reset and start again and be who you want to be, um, you know, without having those pressures from home or, again, back to competition. It's no competition. Everyone's a camper. Um, everyone's in the in the race, I guess. Um, and just having the opportunity to, to be in a community where it's safe to be yourself, I think, is the the big factor. And of course, the friends that you make. Again, being in a team, I think, is is a really good um, foundation for being in a, in a friend group. But I think the friends that you make at camp, they're not all like you. You know, they come from all different backgrounds, all different experiences, um, all different parts of the country. And they all come together and they're all on the same level. They all have to... Um, you know, get up every morning out of the same cabin. And, and the thing with our camp too, John, at Hayawena Camps, as you know, have, having been a camper and a counselor yourself, we're a wilderness adventure trip camp. So everybody is on the same path hiking eight miles with the same weight in their backpack, regardless of where you're from or what your background is. You know, you're all in it together. And, and I think that unique, what happens out on the trails and the bonding that happens, I think is just... You know, nothing that I feel can happen anywhere other than, you know, a, a camp like this. We've hit upon a bunch of great ideas there. One, talking to Dave DeLuca, who is, I guess, officially your boss, the CEO of Hayawena Camps. Um, Hayawena Camps, by the way, for you non-Michiganders, even for you Michiganders. Hayawena for boys is on Torch Lake. I went there as a uh, at the end of my sophomore, junior, and senior years of high school as a camper, a counselor in training, and a counselor. A uh, pretty quick three-year run there. On Torch Lake, which is near Traverse City, gorgeous lake, of course. Been around since, what, 1901, 1903? 1904, I think. 1904. How about that? should know that in the Founders 3 and all that good stuff. So there we go. Uh, and Arbutus is on uh, Lake Arbutus. It's now called Hayawena for Girls, near Traverse City. It's been around for many years as well, of course. How long, how long has that been there? So Camp Arbutus was founded in 1914, um, and it was very, very much a... Um, a private camp, very traditional private camp. Um, and then in the early 90s, um, the, the camp director and owner at the time, Grace McDonald, um, approached Hayawenta and, and suggested that, 
it was time for her to retire and she gave um, a very generous gift of her camp uh, to the Y. And it's been a camp uh, since 1996 um, under the YMCA, but it has been a camp since 1914. That's a, a good a good little run right there. Must be doing something right, obviously. So back to what makes camp special. And I think really we should make sports more like this, choir, theater, other activities more like this. And talking to Dave and talking to you, no one has ever failed camp. Uh, you show up, as long as you're playing well with others, it's pretty good. Yeah. And you don't, have be an, you don't have to be an expert. Everyone's learning something new. There are no tryouts. There are no playoffs. Uh, there's no scoreboard. You just keep going. And that's a wonderful thing, especially these days with soccer camps and everything else taking over their lives and whatnot. Uh, and also, by the way, one thing you did not mention, which I know is a big deal these days, the opportunity to unplug, which in my day didn't count for much. But, uh, boy, it counts for a lot now. No screens, no cell phones, no TV, et cetera. Um, you're outdoors in a way that you probably will not be any other time of the year. So that's got to be a big thing for these kids now, isn't it? I Yeah, for sure. I think um, kids need to be unplugged, I think, more than ever now. Um, and we have that healthy alternative. You know, you can come and have fun and be busy and reconnect and actually learn to talk to each other via verbal communication, not text. Um, and I think that's the kids, I think, take a little while to get used to it. Um, but then I think at the end, if you ask each and every one of them after their two or four weeks, you know, they feel that, you know, it was just a healthy break. They And, and some of them even admit they need that break, um, you know, to just just to unplug and be back to nature and be just grounded again back in back like we used to. That's how I always say, you know, this is how I grew up. You know, we didn't have cell phones and, you know, all these gadgets back when I was growing up. And I think that's a healthy, a healthy way to bring up our kids. I like that too. And also for outsiders, uh, both camps are for our single sex. Uh, hey, I went for boys. Uh, hey, I went for girls that speak for themselves, of course. But on top of that, you have two or four week sessions. And the whole idea is to go on these pretty intense, rather elaborate trips. And tell us about the trips you guys go on. Yeah, we do um, everything from Sleeping Bay Dunes just here in Traverse City. Um, and we find that our trips are very um, appropriately challenging for the age group that we um, have them assigned to. So Sleeping Bay Dunes is our fifth grade, you know, three nights, uh, three days, two nights. Then we venture up to the UP and we go to Pitched Rocks for a week. Uh, we go to Porcupine Mountains, uh, Royal National Park, Kalani Provincial Park. And then our 10th grade program um, is a trip to Alaska. It's a lifetime adventure. Um, my daughter Emma did it a couple of years ago and my Zoe is, uh, my daughter Zoe is going this year. They go for three weeks. They uh, fly into Juneau and then um, catch a ferry up to Haines and do some backpacking and hiking and sea kayaking. Uh, they hike all along the glacier in and around the ice. They camp next to the ice. Uh, it's just, it's spectacular. The the stories and the photos and it's, it's just an incredible um, experience. But I think all the way along, all the trips that we offer, you know, it's, it's a challenging trip. It's, exciting um we we prep our campers as best you know we can before they go on their trip you know so they know where they're going and they know what to expect and all the equipment and everything and it's and it's just something that i think really provides just a, a little bit of an alternative to a a regular camp you know that's one of our one of our main things you know this wilderness adventure so yeah it's pretty unique well it's not for wimps of course but people do love it and anybody 
in reasonable shape who goes to the program can do it. Yep. Um, which is also pretty cool, of course. You're not climbing Mount Everest. That's not the idea. There's no oxygen involved, I don't think. So uh, that's all good. But back to your story, of course. First of all, your Australian accent, how much of it do you still have? When you go home, does your mom accuse you of being an American? Absolutely. Yep. Everyone <laughs> in Australia say I definitely sound like an American. Um, but it's really nice when I do get stopped and asked where I'm from because that means, you know, people are still hearing that I do have a bit of an accent. So I welcome the there chance to talk about Australia and, and you know, get excited about telling them where I'm from. So you came here to the United States for one year. And that, of course, is now stretching to 30. Uh, tell us how that happened and what your leaders were along the way, good and bad. Um, and what you learn along the way? Yeah, well, I think I, like I, I mentioned earlier, I was a little bit lost in my twenties. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And, and my mom is, is, um, my rock. I grew up, um, very close to my mom. I still very much am, um, as much as we, we can be. And she visits as much as she can, um, and loves camp and what's it, what it does for me and my girls and all the campers that she's met over the years. Um, but she encouraged me to really step out and try something new and try something different, so um, her encouragement and her support, um, I headed over here. Um, and then I met a man called Pat Rohde, and I think you know him as well as I do. Um, and he he gave me the opportunity to, to really be in a position of responsibility. And I think I, I stepped into that and, and really was drawn to that. I wanted to, I wanted to do something impactful and meaningful and um, he gave me that opportunity. He he really pushed me. Um, there are some things that I remember having conversations with him and saying, "This is I just can't do this. this I just don't know. This isn't going to work, or I I don't know how to do it." And and he will he provided the support and the resources to help me do it. And I think the one saying that I remember him saying to me a lot is like, "You've got it, girl." <laughs> and <laughs> and I really think that you know. He knew I had it. I just needed to to be pushed so that I could. I felt that I had it, and um, he was just a true true believer in making, giving opportunities, and and pushing people to be successful. And I know that he's had thousands and thousands and thousands of of people over his lifetime be successful because of his um, his encouragement and leadership. Pat Roddy was an amazing guy. He was born in Grand Rapids. A uh, pretty normal childhood, pretty happy childhood. And then they had to bury his mother, died of breast cancer when he was 12 years old on his 12th birthday. Uh, his father became unavailable and pretty rough stretch from that point forward. But as he said, uh, he would never have gotten through were it not for other people helping him out. And that's what we all have to do. Mm-hmm. And that was the premise of his life, of course. And from that, he became a teacher. I became a professor of education at Central Michigan University. Uh, based out of, in his case, Grand Rapids. But then, of course, camp was his summer life, and he's often asked by his professor peers, why are you doing that? It's peanuts. It does not help your career in any real way. And he says, uh, how many friends do you have You know, at 15, 16, 17? 10-year-old uh, friends. And he had them all. And that, to him, made all the difference in terms of the quality of his life, basically. But then you've got this great encounter with Pat. It's a tricky situation that you have at Arbutus. And we got to go there, Amanda. We got to go there. I know it's a dicey little situation, but it all worked out very well for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so please tell us about the beach scene, the famous beach scene to me, at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, you and Pat Rohde. Okay. So, yeah, I I always feel that I, I want to be um, appropriate, but I want to be honest. I want to kind of make sure 
um, I'm sharing any challenges or issues or thoughts that I have. Um, and we were having some leadership challenges here at this site and, and Pat was the CEO and the boss and I somewhat stood up to what I felt was not the best situation or not something that was happening that I don't felt I didn't feel like it should be happening the way it should be. So, and, and to be clear, this is not criminal behavior we're talking about. No, 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 no. It so, was just some decisions. Right. We had some um, challenges with some traditions and some history and and some connections that um, you know we were kind of moving forward, but sometimes it was hard to move forward. And it was so I sort of I called Pat <laughs> and I mentioned what I thought um, maybe should have been happening, and he said, "I'll be right there." Um, it takes about 45 minutes to get from his office to mine, and I'm pretty sure he got here in about 30 minutes. And he said, what's the situation? What's the story? So I shared my my thoughts and my feelings, and he says, well, go wait for me on the beach. And I was like, okay, I think I'm going to be fired. I think this is it. I think that maybe um, it's not going to go the way I thought it should be. Um, and some things haven't over the years, and that's fine. But So he went and did some investigating, and he came and... Um, he came back down to that beach about 20, 25 minutes later, which was, it felt like three hours, not 20 minutes. Cause I honestly thought my time was over. So he comes down and he's like, listen, I've talked to everybody. Um, this is uh, a situation that it is what it is. This is what we're going to do. And, uh, you're now in charge. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I mean, wait, but what? <laughs> in charge as in you're the camp director. Well, I was a fill-in. Um, it was three weeks to the end of the summer, and I also had a co-worker on the same level as me. So um, the other program director and I, who was sitting actually next to me on the beach, we both thought we were going to be fired at this time. Um, we we ran the last three weeks of camp, and we did it our way. And um, and I think Pat realized and knew that you know that direction was kind of the way we had to go, and he supported us. But we just weren't quite sure whether it was our last day or um as it turned out you know something that's actually a promotion <laughs> and how old were you when this happened um i was probably about 25 25 years old and within about a few minutes you go from being fired from your first real job to being basically director of a camp at age 25 thought i was going to be fired but right. yes um and that year and the following year, I did it um, with a lot of support. Um, the program director at the time that I was working alongside with, so we had a director and then there was the two of us at the next level. And we came, both came back and um, ran camp the next year, very much under the guidance of Pat. He was still very involved um, and very helpful. And um, But then the following year was my first year um, where I was the, the camp director on my own and um, yeah. And I think too, the advantage that I had is that when I first started, it was a very small um, camp. Like we had 90 campers and about 12 staff for the whole summer. Mm -hmm. um, this year, I've hired 75 staff. Wow. Um, and we have nearly 400 campers. Wow. And I think for me, growing up, I mean, I know I was in my 20s already, but you still grow every year. But, you know, growing up, and getting um, really established at the start of what has become YMCA Camp Arbutus Hayo Winter has really helped me learn things as I go and 
and, you know, really be a part of it right from the start, I think was just so helpful. And yeah, now it's, now it's my job and my career. And um, like we said before, it's a family affair. I've got my own two campers and my husband's a teacher at Elk Rapids Schools and he's our bus driver in the summer. So he's <laughs> also very involved with camp. Um, my mom comes over as much as she can and she's our store manager whenever she's here. So um, I've hired all my siblings over the years. I've got two brothers and a sister. I've hired each and every one of them over the last 30 years. Um, I've hired cousins. <laughs> um, still waiting for some nieces to come up and, and be in these positions too. But yeah, it's it's become a, a one-off crazy kind of thing I'll do just to see what else is out there to a career. And the other thing too, I, I just love the sense of community that it creates. You know, being a part of camp is you know, it's it's a home away from home for a lot of our campers and all our staff during the summer. And so much so, the last, um, I I felt, felt like I was living and breathing and being in America for as much as and as long as I have. I became a citizen just three years ago mm. after all this time. I, I wanted to vote. Um, that was one thing. On a green card, you can't vote. So I felt like it was time for me to... Um, to be taking that step. And now I'm a voting citizen of the U.S. Well, welcome to our shores. Uh, yeah, of course, you. you've been there for 30 years, <laughs> but now you're a bona fide American and a voting one at yep. that. So uh, democracy has never been more important than it is now, obviously. So happy to have your votes. But there we go. Um, <laughs> 90 campers to 400 campers. You said 12 staffers at first? Yeah, I think there was about 12 of us the first year. And that included like um, the camp director, the cook, um, the health officer, who I think was also the program director, we were very, very small back in the first few years. Well, that's a sign of a uh, success, of course. Furthermore, what both Hayawana camps are selling is almost anachronistic these days. It's single sex and it's two to four weeks, um, and these these big trips, which you know conflict with soccer camps and everything else. So it's in some ways going against the grain and doing so very successfully, which I greatly admire. Back to the hiring process: How do you hire counselors? And what do you look for when you hire? So we're very lucky. We have a lot of our counselors um, grow up in our program as campers. So they become, um, you know, they they do all the trips and then they become um, seniors in high school and, and we chat to them and talk to them and they come back as staff. And I, I find that they're, they're some of the best staff we have because they know what a good counselor is mm. because they've had one. So they want to step into those sho shoes of the role models and the, and the great counselors that they've had. But I also hire uh, about 65% of our staff return year after year. So there's still, wow. you know, a handful that I still need to hire. Um, and I do interviews and, and we do re referral programs. I work through Camp America and some other camp uh, staff fairs. And I think the the fun thing, like what sort of counselors, what sort of people fit into these counselor roles? And, and you know, I want caring, exciting, interesting people. And the interviews, um, I try and add my humor um, to everything that I do. But, you know, these interviews that I have, you know, I ask all the, the normal questions, you know, your experience working with youth, like tell me about your camping experiences. But one of my favorite questions is, you know, what do you do for fun? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think sometimes that kind of sets people back. Like, wh wait, what? she wants to know what I do for fun. And it's just so interesting to see and he or to hear, you know, what people are, what interests people have and, you know, what are their thoughts and what, what things are they thinking? and you know, because I feel like 
our staff training, which we do every year, we have two, nearly two and a half weeks of staff training. And that's the time where we can teach everyone the skills that they need. You know, we do the rules and the the regulations and the policies and, you know, we do all our programming and I can tell you the daily schedule, but you've got to be that fun, interesting person um, to fit into that and, and kind of become the whole package. So I'm just looking for people that are good role models, fun, got some interesting stories, you know. So less about skills and more about really personality and character. Yeah. You've got to be a good person. Mm -hmm. If you're not, it's a long trip, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Alaska is very far it's a away. Short visit. <laughs> it's a short visit to camp. <laughs> yes, right. uh, I like that one a lot. You said that uh, you hire 65% of your uh, hirees um, are former campers. And you said that's, oh, we, we're, we're lucky. That's not luck. That's a well run camp or well run place. 65% of that is an incredibly high number which has to make a lot of your job, a lot of everyone, everyone's job, a lot easier because they're not rookies. They're not trying to find their way. They know their traditions. They know how to find things. They know how it's supposed to feel. Um, if, there's one, if there's one thing you do that probably solves a lot of your problems before their problems, that's probably it, I would guess. So that's pretty cool. It's nice to see them grow up too. That's one of the advantages I have of being here for so long. Um, you know, I, I remember saying to some of these campers, you know, I remember when you guys were pathfinders, when you guys were fifth grade and, and turning up at camp and running around and playing capture the flag. And now now you're running around with your own campers playing capture the flag. So it's it's really nice to see them grow up and, and step into those positions and having known them for so long. Pretty cool. Uh, who are some of the best counselors you've worked with? Wow. I... Yeah, I think those that go the extra mile, you know, those that really put in that extra effort and truly love doing what they're doing. Um, and I think, too, my favorite counselors are the ones that are here for the right reasons. You know, I I, I want to be able to have camp uh, staff that, you know, they know that it's a little bit of a sacrifice here. You know, you still have to look after yourself and, and be happy and healthy yourself. But you're here for the campers. You know, you you don't necessarily have to say, this is how we're going to do it. You know, go off and do it. Those counselors that are doing it with the campers, you know, I, I see it all the time. You know, they're talking to their campers. They're playing soccer with the campers. They're wearing the red shirts on Capture the Flag just like their campers. And they're as much of part of the game, you know, as everybody else. And and I think, too, just looking out for each other, you know, our 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 counselors that have done a really, really good job so have been supported because they have supported their friends and, and, you know, had that, you know, had that higher purpose, you know, being here for the campers is what we're here for. And, and it shows, and I have this open door policy. I, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but my door is always open and I just really enjoy the staff coming in, you know, usually at night when their campers are all, you know, in their cabins and what have you. But they come and tell us about what is, or come and tell, tell me what is happening with their kids. You know, this camper is so excited about this, or, you know, she was crying because she was really scared of the climbing tower, but we did it and she made it to the top. And, you know, little things like that, that, you know, clearly shows that the success of the camper is then the success of themselves and, mm -hmm. and what they're doing. I love it. Of course. Um, only we talk about in my book, let them lead, um, what we call the layers of leadership. And the idea of leading by example is clearly vital. And if you don't do that, you're a hypocrite 
and they're not going to follow you and they shouldn't follow you. Uh, but we've got a joke in our team, of course, that those who lead by example, they're called sophomores. That means you know your job, you can do your job, and that's great. You get a paycheck for that. Um, but as you just said, the best ones are the ones who support each other, who don't only do their own jobs, who know everyone else's jobs and help them do their jobs also. Uh, when on a camping trip, is the analogy I use, you don't just get your, th- your canoe through the, through the uh, trail, of course, and dump it in the water and hop back in yourself. You go back and help those with their canoes and their packs. And those are the people you really want to look out for the entire group. So I like that very much. How do you know when a counselor's unit is working and when it's not? Wow. Well, I think we really strive to create this cabin unit. So a cabin unit is eight campers and two staff. I can always tell it's successful when um, they either walk by my office or I'm out and about and I see them and they're all just one group. Like it's not the counselors walking behind or in front. Like, you know, they're not... Hmm you know, saying, follow me, or this is what we're doing. They're all kind of doing it together and being a part of a group. Um, It's nice to see counselors talking to their campers, being a part of the activity and welcoming the input as a group. It's not, I'm going to tell you what to do and this is what we're going to do. You know, I really feel like a a good counselor and a good group that they're, you know, that bonding that's happened is that everyone is happy to be a part of the group and have their say and input and suggest and and be part of the the decision and the activities that they choose or, Mm -hmm. you know, so just watching campers um, interact with their counselors. I, I, you know, my door is always open for the staff, but it's always open for the campers too. I love listening to the campers and saying, you know, what did you do today? And, you know, my counselor is this and my counselor did that. And my counselor is so fun. You know, that is a counselor that's really engaging and, you know, really making an impact without necessarily saying so or doing anything, you know, back to Pat Rohde, one of the the things that he, um, the, the best way of showing that you care is giving someone the time of day. Mm-hmm. And I think counselors just sitting and listening and talking and being a part of that cabin group shows that, you know, that that's a successful team. And that we also do some things to encourage that as well. Um, you know, we have activities and programs. We have these, um, they're called low initiatives and you do it as a team. Um, there's these little challenges that you've got to do. And sometimes you've got to do them without speaking or sometimes you have to do them with, you know, someone's blindfolded and or you, you know, there's a little challenge to, to being successful and, and you've got to all work together and help each other. And that includes the staff. And that's how you can tell it's a good cabin group when they're, you know, all in it together. I love it. Uh, one of my phrases in the book is there's no quality time. There's just time. And wherever you, yeah. where, whatever, wherever you spend that is what you care about and you're not fooling anybody. So if you have time for people, they know that. They know it immediately. Another great phrase I like from Colin Powell, who said, the day your people quit bringing you their problems is the day that you quit being their leader. So if the door is open, they come with their problems. That's a compliment because they think that you can help and you want to help. Um, so, and if you don't help, they'll find somebody else to help. So, mm-hmm. so heads up on that one. So I love that one, of course. Um, when things are not working, how can you tell and how do you fix it? Yeah, well, again, back to hopefully being that camp director that, that staff and campers can come to when things aren't working. Um, and I like to, to put it back on, on others, like, tell me what's not working and tell me what we can do to change it. You know, Sure, I'm the camp director, but I'm open to suggestions. I'm open to ideas. 
Um, I'm open to, to you telling me, you know, what you're thinking and what your thoughts are and let's make some changes. Let's make it so that, you know, it can be better. Um, I really, really feel that I surround myself with people that, um, that help me, you know, make this a a place where everyone wants to be. It's not, they're all not my ideas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, people come to me with ideas and, and, you know, let's try it. Let's give it a shot. You know, let's, let's put it out there. And if the kids love it, let's do it. You know, if, if the kids aren't super excited about it, maybe we change it up a bit or do something different. But, you know, I'm always open to, to having, um, you know, different ideas and different input. Actually, this summer, I've put out to all my staff, all the counseling staff that are coming this year, I'm challenging them, challenging them to bring something new as a cabin time. Hmm. Um, it could be anything that they've come up with. And, and of course, you know, they've got backgrounds in, you know, whatever they're doing at school or within their, their lives, there's something that they can bring to the table that we can try at camp. So I'm excited to see some new ideas and some new activities that, you know, will hopefully come from it. But you know, bring something different, bring something new. I, I remember as a counselor, um, one of my co-counselors, she did this um, like a scavenger hunt with sticks and stones. You'd hmm. think it was kind of crazy, but, you know, three sticks going one direction is turn left and take 10 steps. Like there was this whole little code and everything. Um, our cabin just got so into it. It became this like camp wide thing and it ended up on the cabin time board like people were actually signing up to do this activity and we would just be like yeah we just came up with like a little scavenger hunt with like a little secret code and it became this thing for for years so who knows you know what's fun and what's exciting and what we can implement that you know just takes off so what is the craziest idea you've heard that worked oh dear um (laughs) oh dear that's a tricky one. Um, or, or didn't. How about that? Oh, that's that's good too. I think some of the things that that has so casino night is this crazy, crazy night that has become this this huge evening that people have just so excited. To, the campers are super excited to to participate. Um, it started off with just little games, you know, like where's the queen and like all these like little card games more than anything. It has now developed into this, um, you've got to wear the craziest outfit possible, like nothing can match. <laughs> you've got to get with your, there's money, there's all these, this fake money that they all get given and play with and um, they, they have these challenges that they do that gets them more money and then they have these like silent auction items so all these things it just kind of builds and builds every year and there's these more you know interesting things that keep at getting added like you know who do you want to throw in the lake so you <laughs> you try and raise the money to put together to bid on the counselor to go in the lake um and it's this huge thing and so i think that you know, I think the things that start as a small little example or small little game that becomes this now, like I have campers being like, I'll be there for casino night, right? Um, like, of course. And you, I even have to do my trip schedule. Like every camp, every cabin has to be back off their trip by casino night. Like you can't miss casino night. You know, they bring their outfits. So, you know, I think just 
things that have started small and caught on and become more and more elaborate is, I think, is success. One of the keys there, as you've described it, is that it's organic. It came from the campers. It came from the counselors. They're the ones who grew it. It was not imposed from above. It's not some official program. Uh, But you give them the space to make all that happen. Um, So that's pretty fun there. Go ahead. And it usually ends up in a huge dance party too. So (laughs) you've got to imagine like 140 to 200 people dancing um, in this really fun old building. Um, It was built in 1920. It's called Trailside Lodge. It's like the the picture of a, a historic camp in my mind. So we're all sitting in there or dancing and jumping around in the craziest outfits possible. So that's what it ends up being. A, a night to remember, obviously. Great fun. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to boil down your leadership philosophy to three or four points, what would it be? So I've been thinking about this. Um, I always want to make sure if I ask any of the staff that I work with to do anything at camp, I want to, I want them to know that I have done it or I am happy to do it as well. Like I am often at the waterfront raking leaves. I'm often um, moving piles of wood. You know, I, I feel like I don't ever want to say to someone, "If can you go and do this? And then have them think that I just sit in my office and not, and not point. be, I'm not prepared to do it myself. Correct point. Last year was a really, really, really tough year. We, we canceled in 2020 which um, Due to COVID. was devastating. Yes. COVID. And, and um, I don't know if that's one of your questions. What's the worst day at camp? Sure. The day that we canceled camp. Mm. Um, it was devastating. And I had to, I zoomed every single group of kids, every program. I did like 14 zooms and, and had all these kids that were sad and upset as I was. Um, so then 2021 came around and we were back. We were modified a little bit and, um, we were a little bit short staffed. <laughs> um, you know, it was just a little bit of a challenge last year. And, but I did dishes, you know, I cleaned bathrooms. I was down, you know, helping do arts and crafts. And, you know, I felt like I, I'm not going to ask somebody to go do something, um, not having done that ever myself. And I, I feel like that's something it's almost lead by example or, you know, I want to be part of the team too. I want them to see me you know, working hard, doing what they're doing as well. And, and that's, that's important to me. So. So I love it. So uh, don't ask them to do anything that you would not do. That's certainly a one piece of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I bet you have more than that. What else do you have? Oh dear. Um, You've already hit upon a few things though. One, listening is very big for you. Uh, yeah. Putting it on them and have a, your leadership style is a conversation. It's what it basically boils down to. Um, with the counselors, with the campers and so on, you're, you're getting constant feedback. You're also trying to have them make their own decisions as much as they can. seems to be one of your uh, principles. Yeah, I, I would like to think that the staff training that we give them, you know, the resources we give them, the preparation we have for them, um, that when they are out in the field, they're making those decisions. You know, they're good people making good decisions. That's the best for the campers. Um, and I've got their I've got their back. You know, I've had calls from the field. Um, you know, this camper is it. She needs to be, you know, taken home, or we're not not, you know, things aren't going well. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to to support them as best I can, and I have a lot of resources. I I feel like I know every park ranger's cell phone number um, for every national park and state park that we go to. <laughs> um, but you know, we try and make it successful, and I work with them, but. 
Um, I want to be able to have that. I want the staff to be able to call me any time of the day or night and know that I'm there for them and will help them make some decisions. And if, if they're out in the field and they say, you know, this is, this is what has to happen, I will help make that happen. So I think that's the thing that we've got to make sure, you know, that I'm there, I'm listening, I can make it, I can help you make it, you know, be successful. So we're all in it together. I love it. So I'm going to boil it down to three points, which is never easy, of course. In your case, I'll say uh, what you've done as a leader, a few things. One, you've made camp a safe place to be different, that uh, everyone's accepted, that there's no tryouts, as we said, there's no playoffs, there's no score. Uh, you can't fail summer camp. It's a safe place to come and be yourself. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing for any organization, obviously, to feel you're safe and you're comfortable. So that's number one. Number two, when you hire, don't just hire for skills, of course, and resumes and whatnot. Hire fun, interesting people who are willing to go the extra mile and support each other. And three, never ask anybody to do anything that you are not willing to do yourself. And they see that. And we both know, we both led. They watch you. Uh, they, if, you're, if you're cleaning a bathroom, work out on that very fast, I bet. That the camp director is not afraid to clean a bathroom. Uh, that's pretty cool. So I love it. So who is your favorite teacher of all time? Oh, dear. Well... I think you are, are always learning and always growing. And I want to just put, go back to Pat Rohde, um, a man that really, truly gave me an opportunity. And, you know, he pushed me and encouraged me and and showed me that, you know, there there's success out there. You've just got to, to work for it and earn it. And I know he wasn't my teacher in school, um, but I feel like he was my teacher in, in life. So, well. He's one of mine as well, of course. We share that naturally. Uh, like all great teachers, by the way, I've asked that question 200 times in English, Portuguese, and Espanol, and never once is anybody's favorite teacher, boss, supervisor, coach, choir director, anybody, they're never easy. Uh, it never happens that way, but they care about you. And you know that Pat wanted to succeed. And when you say it's too tough, he says, you got this. You got this girl? Was that, that was <laughs> you got phrase. this girl. <laughs> By the way, for a guy born in 1928, it kind of impresses me. This guy was a Green Beret. He's not, uh, uh, he would not be confused with a hippie. Um, but uh, but he, did have, he had those qualities as well, I think. Believed in the environment, believed in the outdoors. So for him to do that for you is very cool. He always said, by the way, that hiring you was the best thing he ever did, which is saying a lot for a man with a multi-decade career with many, many great counselors, directors. Um, so that's very high praise from Pat. So I love that one. Well, him, him hiring me, I think changed my life for the better. So I owe him too. I think it changed your whole family's life. It sounds like you got (laughs) siblings and moms (laughs) and your daughters and all the rest working at camp. So by the way, as an aside, do people at camp ever try to imitate your Australian accent? Oh my gosh. All the time. (laughs) All the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not only the accent, it's some of the words that I say too. And you know, I forget, I, I remember my first year as a counselor and it doesn't happen so much anymore just because it's been 30 years. But I remember my first year as a counselor, I'm like, I think we were going out to watch the stars or walk around the lake or sit, you know, and I was like, grab your, you know, go grab your jumpers and your torches. Let's go. You know, we're <laughs> going to go outside. And I think my seven campers just looked at me and were like, no, we, we don't know what she's saying. <laughs> So I had to translate. So sweaters and uh, flashlights. And once we figured it all out, we're off we went. But, there you go. So sweaters are yeah. jumpers and torches are flashlights. Yeah. So, See, there you go. You're teasing me too. Well, so. Sorry, I can't help it. <laughs> no, it's, it's if I was a, I if I was a camp director, all. by the way, in Australia, I'm sure I'd be getting teased as well. So. 
but you roll yeah. with it very nicely. Without a sense of humor, by the way, you didn't mention this, but it's clearly important. If you try to lead without a sense of humor, you're in trouble. <laughs> I think you have to laugh at situations sometimes. I think you have to laugh at yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, humor, I think, is really important. And, and I have an interesting sense of humor. I, I, I feel like sometimes... Once I, when I first got here, I was a little, um, the Australian humor tends to be a little sarcastic. So no, I had to kind no, of say it's not so. figure out how that, <laughs> you know, wasn't going to be quite, you know, as upsetting, but yeah, I, I, you've got to laugh. If you don't laugh through life, it's, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I've enjoyed this conversation very much. And Amanda, I know I had to prod you for this one, three or four of my guests, Brenda Ryan, Dave DeLuca, a few of Folks, that'd be dragged, kicked, and screaming, but hopefully it was less painful than a trip to the dentist. And you've survived it without blood. So how's that? Well, thank you. Yeah, it was it was a little overwhelming and daunting. But hey, I've talked about camp, which I love, and I talk about camp anytime, anywhere. So this this actually was a lot better than I thought it was. Be, <laughs> <so> thank you. <laughs> There's my ringing endorsement. A lot better than well I expected. <laughs> yeah, and I've never had any filling. So I don't even know how bad the dentist can be. So well, how about go. that? We'll keep brushing in that case. So yep. my guest has been Amanda Macaluso, the director of Hey Awana for Girls in Northern Michigan. A fantastic guest. Amanda, thank you so much. Thank you, John. This was really fun. We'll see you up here this summer. Uh, oh, and you'll see my son as well. Uh, young Theodore Teddy, of course, will be in his second year at Sparks Day Camp on Hayawana's campus. So he's looking forward to that. You have been listening to Let Them Lead, a podcast about the risks and rewards of leading today. I'm John U. Bacon, the author of Let Them Lead, Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's Worst High School Hockey Team. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends to subscribe. And please leave us an evaluation, a review on our website. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Amanda, thanks again. Thank you, John. You've been listening to Let Them Lead, a podcast about the risks and rewards of leading today with your host, John U. Bacon, author of Let Them Lead, Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's Worst High School Hockey Team. We hope you enjoyed this episode, got a few laughs, and picked up some insights you can use tomorrow and think about for years. Please feel free to leave your comments about any and all of the podcast episodes, and by all means, spread the word. Please join us again for another fun, fast, and fulfilling serving of Let Them Lead.